Hey y'all, we are back. And if you are US-based, happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. So today's episode is just going to be a solo one. I want to talk about preparing for the holidays. And listen, y'all, I wanted to be more organized and get this recorded and aired a little bit ahead of the holiday. It didn't happen. But here's the thing. If you're listening to this today, there are some things you're going to be able to integrate immediately or just think through. I think sometimes with the holidays, it's important just to be able to like mindfully think through things. And it's hard in this holiday season because it's so fast paced. But if not, if you're listening to this later, keeping in mind the holiday season is not over. Kids are going to have winter break, all of that. If you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate going into the new year. So I still think this will be useful. So I decided to record it anyway. So let's talk about preparation for the holiday season. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast. And I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well being as a parent, supporting your non autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So in my group therapy program today, one of the things that I was talking about is we are well into the holiday season. In terms of your autistic child, we think about change, unpredictability, all of that, that started around Halloween because things are already changing. Plus there's a lot of overstimulation. And so we have Halloween, we have Thanksgiving. Like I said, if you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate, and then the new year, it's like all these reasons that we're disrupting routine. And so first and foremost, I want to just say this out loud for you to hear this. It is likely that your child may have more difficulties during this holiday season. For the reasons I just explained, we're switching up their routines. Things are unpredictable. They're also having to likely socialize more, which for them could be an area of support. It could be draining their social battery. Maybe they're naturally more introverted. Maybe you're naturally more introverted too. So you think about your own capacity as well. Also, it's more burden on you in this holiday season, usually to plan things, get everything organized. And remember that likely your autistic child is going to be hyper in tune to that. Even if we're not saying the words out loud, even if our actions don't seem like we're all that stressed, there is this energy level. So I actually just recorded another episode. I have a guest coming on next week, Jamie Lynn Brown, where we talked all about community. And I said a similar thing 
thing that like your energy, your autistic child is going to be in tune. So they also might be absorbing some of that from you. And that is not to cause shame or saying you're doing anything wrong. It's just to be mindful of all of these things. And then we have stimulation, oversensitivity to noises and lights and people and all of this. There's so many factors that can, in terms of your child's nervous system and your own as well, can make it so that their nervous system is dysregulated. And when their nervous system is dysregulated, they're going to have more difficulty regulating their emotions, being able to communicate their needs and get ultimately the support they need. And so just keep that in mind and don't be shocked if you see more meltdowns, for example, or more difficulty in settings. So that's tip number one is just being aware. Tip number two is to have a plan in place and try your best not to wing it. And so what this means in terms of having a plan in place is not only you knowing what's to come, but you also being able to prepare your autistic child of what's to come and just to think through some strategies as well. So I did in an Instagram post to give five tips for Halloween. Some of these things still apply. So if you saw that post, some of this is a little redundant, but helping your child to anticipate what's to come, that's going to be super, super important. Also thinking ahead of okay, maybe this is a time that you allow more screen time. We know that many autistic children use screen time as a regulation tool. So thinking ahead of some of that, where are they going to be? Maybe it's going to be an allowed environment. Do you need to start trialing out headphones or make sure you're packing headphones for them? Additionally, again, this is going to be a little harder in anticipation of Thanksgiving, but if your child has an AAC device, can you modify it to talk about what's to come, having buttons, talking about what they can expect. And even if you can do that today, I don't want to put too much burden on you, but adding a few things or even going through and talking about turkey and stuffing and all of that. So you do have to have a plan in place in order to prepare your child. I also want to recognize, though, that you having to have a plan in place does put additional burden and stress on you. So it doesn't need to be perfect. But if you have a general sense, that can be helpful because your child's going to be able to anticipate it and their body can adjust and they're going to be able to sink into the experience more. I also love the idea of social stories, too. So tip number three, let's talk about safe foods, especially going into Thanksgiving. So this is one of those tips. If you're listening to this on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, think about, okay, what is typically at Thanksgiving? What will my child eat? This is not the time to introduce them to a lot of new foods. That's going to create more distress. So even if they're eating all of their safe foods during Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, or again, whatever holidays that you're celebrating, I know like obviously people not in the U.S. and we have non-U.S. listeners don't celebrate American Thanksgiving, but having safe foods available. And you can talk about the food that will be there and talking about with your child, like, 
whether you're, again, modeling on their AAC device, or if they are conversational, helping them to make some choices, that type of thing, preparing ahead of time, not when you're in the buffet line of what they will and won't eat. Obviously, if you're not the one preparing it, this might include like calling the person who's hosting and being like, hey, can you give me a rundown of what you're preparing so I can talk to my child about it? But it is not the time to expose them to new foods. And I think sometimes it can feel like, okay, we're all eating this. Let's have them eat it too. And easy to be like, oh, well, let's just have them try stuffing for the first time. Just realize by doing that, you're increasing their nervous system dysregulation. They're not going to feel as safe. And there's already so much other stimulation. So if you really want to have your child try new foods in general, we want to give them access to safe foods. And then a lot of times just putting something on their plate, allowing them to explore. That is one thing is you could put one quote unquote non-safe food on their plate and see how it goes. But the other thing is maybe you take leftovers home and then you're experimenting at home and not in this social setting, so to speak. So that's something to definitely think about. The next one to think about is how can you set your expectations? And I think it's so hard when holidays, again, we're talking about it in the next episode with community, but we talked about how the holidays can be lonely and and we are more likely to compare and ultimately feel too, like maybe you don't have that family support. But one of the other things, and I didn't bring this up in that episode, is this idea of what is your expectation? And sometimes what can happen is when you don't have a clear and realistic expectation, going into another environment, say where there's other kids, it can be easier to go to the place of, Oh, my kid doesn't do that yet. I really wish they would do that. Thinking about like opening presents, for example, when being really interested and Christmas morning, like your child may not do that. And so there is some of it that setting realistic expectations and anticipating that this comparison aspect is just naturally there. How can you anticipate that? And also then thinking about how can you set realistic expectations for your child. And I think some of it is as much as possible letting go of those expectations that Christmas morning might not look the same. They might not be excited to put out carrots for the reindeer and cookies for Santa Claus. Again, if that's your belief system. Again, they might not sit at the Thanksgiving table with everyone else. They might be off playing on their tablet or reading about their special interests, that type of thing. And so how can you imagine this scenario without attaching this idea of how it should go and being realistic of, okay, and let's talk about what I mean by being realistic because that can be hard. What I really recommend is thinking about all the different possibilities and you're not going to be able to imagine everything, but what happens if it goes really well? What will that look like? What happens if it is a challenge? What happens if you have to leave early? What happens if you notice that your kid is the only one not playing with all the other kids? Thinking through that and that's going to help you to have more realistic expectations, let go of some of the unrealistic expectations and listen. You may need to grieve 
this. And you can do this in private in anticipation of what's to come of how do you let yourself feel some of the, the sadness and you know, the grief isn't about your child. You're not grieving your child. You're grieving that shift in expectation that they might not meet up to that. And that only means right now they don't have the skills that doesn't tell us anything about the future. And so sometimes too, when we're in this grief cycle of processing, it's easy to think about circumstances now and what that means for the future. All you need to prepare for is this holiday season. We don't know where your child will be in terms of their skill development and their strengths and their support needs next holiday season. So try to stay rooted in the present as well. So let's go into then the next tip, talking about this idea of how can you be present in the moment? This is like a subpart to expectations, but expectations, what they are is they take us into the future. And we're trying to imagine exactly how it is. And often we get attached to that. We're not thinking of all the ways that it could go. We just want it to go one way. But with that, we're living in the future. And so even I'm talking about setting realistic expectations or dropping as many expectations as possible. But even if you're still in the moment, Thanksgiving dinner comes, right? And you're in that moment and you're expecting it to go one of these ways you envisioned, you're missing the moment to be actually present and noticing what's going on. You might miss, for example, that non-safe food that your child is looking at it. It might be subtle, but in their world, that's such a huge thing. And so how can you just be fully present? And it is natural to have emotions come up, have worry come up and just saying, okay, what do I notice right now? What's going on right now? And some of it is about what is your autistic child doing, but also remembering you deserve to enjoy the holiday season too. Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. That conversation, that person maybe you haven't seen in a while, how can you be fully present with them? How can you enjoy the food yourself? How can you just enjoy being around a community, so to speak, whether that's your family or your friends? Or even if you are home alone, it's just your immediate family for the holidays. That's how you celebrate just being fully present. And a lot of times we're in such a go, go, go mentality that we forget to enjoy those that are around us. And this can happen. And again, this is an expectation of, I wish that I had a larger family. I, my parents are divorced and I have a brother who's 10 years younger and my parents live in different areas. Their families live in different areas. We don't usually have these huge celebrations. And I've had that thought. And But it's like, how can you be present in the moment? 
All right. Two more that I want to touch on. Actually, I feel like I started this one and got a little distracted of being realistic. I think I said, at least this is what the Instagram slide says is be realistic and give choices. So let's talk about the give choices really quick. The more that you can involve your child in the process, giving them some autonomy, and this is particularly true if your autistic child has the PDA profile or PDA is suspected, is the more that we can give choices, the better. But this is true of all children. Again, things are unpredictable. How can we help make it more predictable? But how can we also help give them a sense of control? Choices are amazing. And again, coming back to this expectation, idea is remembering like you're giving them a choice. Maybe you're giving them a choice to between, do you want to eat your safe food or do you want to try turkey? And the fact is, even if they choose their safe food, that's still a win. It's giving them a sense of security, safety, predictability, and they're making that choice too. And we want to empower children to be able to make choices and advocate for themselves. Additionally, okay, here's a great example. If you're doing family pictures, some families have traditions where they all dress up and maybe you want nice family pictures. You might have to compromise some. Maybe your autistic child really cannot, will not wear jeans or khakis or dress pants. So how can you maybe wear a pair of comfy clothes or a pair of comfy pants and then maybe a nicer shirt, for example. And maybe you specifically buy a pair of pants that look like dress pants, but are actually athletic wear. Those definitely exist. So giving choices, give that sense of control and autonomy to your child when at all possible. So two more that I want to touch on is, and this is hard to talk about, but it is important to prepare yourself and to think through this, but how do you prepare if someone says something rude or responds in a rude way and, or says maybe not, it's even rude intentionally, but it's ignorant and they're not thinking, they're not educated about autism. How do you want to ultimately prepare for that? And so a couple things is I do actually have a episode on this that can be helpful to go back and listen to the situation is a little bit more about if another child says something rude, how do you navigate that? It is episode 72, the art of advocacy, navigating the tough conversations with others about autism. And then another helpful episode, if you want to go on a little bit of a binge episode six, navigating autism, when your circle is unsupportive. And it's talking about basically having those tough conversations with loved ones. And so those can give you more specifics. But what I want to say here is ultimately what you want to do is think about how do you want to respond? And even if you feel like your circle isn't unsupportive, there's helpful strategies and tips to go about it in case the topic of autism comes up and someone is wanting to learn and being like, or or it's really good in the situation where someone's, no, your kid's not autistic. And you're like, yes, they are. And how to navigate that. But practical tips in both of those episodes, episode six and 72, but thinking about how you want to prepare. And I actually find it really helpful to rehearse how you want to prepare. And doing this 
potentially in the mirror and ultimately being equipped, having go-to lines of how you want to navigate this. And usually around the holiday season, we're around more familiar people, although there absolutely can be unfamiliar people. And I'll touch on that in a second, but unfamiliar people, usually they have patterns and we can predict how they will respond or, or we can predict what they'll say. So how do you want to respond? Practice in the mirror, practice with your partner, really think through this because then I think it helps you in the moment to be more present, to be less reactionary and to not feel like completely frozen as well. In terms of unfamiliar people, if again, if you celebrate Christmas, say you're going to see Santa Claus and Santa is asking your child questions. Do you want to prep Santa ahead of time and say, my child is non-speaking. Do you want to just chime in and answer for your child or model how you, your child would respond or what you expect that they're thinking through these things? Again, this is going to help your nervous system to feel more regulated and secure. And then the last tip before I wrap up this episode is this idea of setting boundaries. Setting boundaries can be really, really hard. And some of this might look like in terms of gifts, setting boundaries of what your child does and doesn't need. It might also be, again, like, Maybe another adult that's not around them a lot is being like, they need to sit at the table. How do you navigate that situation? Which is somewhat related to if someone says something potentially rude or ignorant. But also we think about boundaries. The first step was how are you going to respond if something pops up? But we also can think about proactive things that we can do rather than being reactive. So if a family member always makes some comments, you might start off the night by just being like, hey, I know you often wonder, I just, I want to remind you, my, my child is autistic and this is the ways that you can interact with him. Or if, for example, there are certain foods that your child is sensitive to and can't eat, If grandma is sneaking them something, it might be reminding grandma, hey, listen, my child's not eating dairy right now. And you don't even need to explain why. It's just keep it simple. Keep it straight to the point. But my child's not eating dairy right now. Please do not feed him X, Y, and Z. And I also think that one of the things that can be helpful with boundaries is Sometimes people aren't educated about neurodiversity and that brains think differently. And some of our status quo, the things we always do are based on neurotypical standards. And so you might even have that conversation with your in-laws, with your parents, with extended family. Yeah, you're right. My daughter does things differently. And in our household, we accept that. I would really appreciate if you did too. Or your, say your daughter's using an AAC device and it's like, I need you to say it. You might interject and be like, well, my daughter did just say it. Here's what she said and repeat back. And then have a side conversation. Listen, all forms of communication are equal. So when she's using the AAC device and doing a little education, we talked about this in the AAC episode as well, which was also on Gestalt Language Processing, that children are going to access the easiest form of communication. If they're able to speak, whether that means they've developed the skill or in terms of regulation wise, they're going to, and maybe explaining that, Hey, it's a little overstimulating here. And I'm really proud of my daughter for 
communicating in this way. And we want to honor that. So being mindful, you might need to set boundaries. You might need to address things. And like I said, these last two tips run into each other, but thinking about how you want to respond and then also what proactive boundaries that you want to set, that's going to really set you up for success. And I want to empower you to set those boundaries, to advocate for your child, because number one, you're the parent, you're the expert, you know best, no one else knows better than you. Remember that this holiday season, because I think a lot of times being around family and friends, everyone loves to give their opinion. You are the expert of your child. So stay empowered and remembering that. But the other thing is too, that ultimately it doesn't matter what they think. Even if they're right, if you have preferences, you're the one that's in charge. And so stepping into that, owning that, and I didn't say this explicitly, but also trying not to over-explain. A lot of times when we're trying to set boundaries or react in a certain way, we want to explain every single detail and often the message is lost. And so keep it short, keep it to the point, but just know that you are able to, and you should set those boundaries. I had a conversation actually with a parent today that was like, sometimes it's hard for me to do. And I was like, absolutely, it's hard. And again, this is where you practice, but this is also maybe your boundary. It looks like, hey, I'm going to send out a family email and summarize in that email. Maybe you're better or a family text of, hey, I just want to give everyone a heads up. This can be really overstimulating for my son or daughter. Here's what this can look like. Here's how we can support. So many different ways that you can do this. All right. That is a wrap. I hope these tips were helpful. I do think, like I said, if tomorrow is Thanksgiving, you're listening to this and you celebrate American Thanksgiving, I think there are some tangible things that you can start thinking through right now. Maybe go take a couple minutes, jot a couple things down on a piece of paper, collect your thoughts, and then other things that you can keep navigating and using through this holiday season. I think that can be really helpful. I hope you have such a happy holiday season and remember that joy lives in the present moment. Joy doesn't live in your expectations in the future or how it should be. The joy is going to come from how do you let yourself sink into this moment and notice the progress your child has made since last holiday season. Notice what is going well. Our brains tend to filter things and want to focus on the negative or the ways that people stand out or the ways that your child stands out or things that are different or things that aren't going according to plan. But how can you create this intentionality to say, I'm going to be present this holiday season. I'm going to find the joy this holiday season. And I'm going to focus on what's going well, because that ultimately is going to help you look back at this holiday season and be like, yeah, that was a really good one. And that is my hope for you. All right, y'all, I will be back next week with another episode. We're sticking to one a week right now just because of capacity. I expect that through the holiday season, working on shifting 
some things around. So hopefully in the new year, we can get more than one episode going again, but I hope that was helpful. And I referenced it many times in this episode, tune in next week for the episode with Jamie Lynn Brown, where we talk all about building a community for yourself goes hand in hand with this episode. So what you can do is hit the either follow button or subscribe button, or it looks like a little bus on whatever platform you're listening to this on so that you get a notification when the next episode goes live. And then as always, lots of resources in the show notes for you, including my Facebook community, my social media. And if you're looking for clinical level support too, there's information on how you can learn more about that. All right, y'all. Bye. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.